As we've been walking through this series here at Walk Church that we've titled Identity Theft, thanks Tony, um, I've been learning this principle a lot about my own life and also about the life that we know of, of this man named David. Um, David was a man that we could be tempted to think had it all together. Uh, he also is known as a man after God's own heart. What a, what a, um, a title to be given by God himself. He's a man after my own heart. But you know why that encourages me? Because if David could be known as a man after God's own heart with all the stuff that he's walked through, then I may have a chance too. <laughs> and we can learn from him today. And that's why I, 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 we've, we've, we've chosen to do this series and to study David's life when it comes to what it looks like to have an identity that is sure and founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you're excited to dig into the word this morning and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. That, was, that was about 50%. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Okay, that's a little bit better. Um, in this identity theft series, we've talked about a lot of different thieves. A lot of different thieves that try to rob us of our true identity in the Lord. There's a lot of different things that try to creep into our lives and say, you know what? I want to just tempt you and deceive you and twist different things to make you believe things that are true about you that are not actually true. We're in the seventh week of this series, Identity Theft, and I wasn't quite sure how long it was going to go, but I, I keep seeing new, new things that, that can try to steal our joy, try to steal who we are, and they even have consequences, and we're going to do that. We're going to look at those today. So far, we've seen the fear of others' opinions, which led Saul to disobedience from the Lord. Uh, we've seen the uh, comparison traps when we try to compare ourselves to others and what other people think, and allowing that to define us leads us discouraged. We've, we've learned the thief of pretending to be somebody else that you're not. When Saul tried to put his armor on David, we learned about the thief of false assumption that you need to have more in order to be more. If I just had enough, I could do enough. And here's David with his stones, and he says, I just brought what I had, and God used it. And there's this identity thief that says, I need, I need more, I need more, I need more, especially around this time, right? We got the, uh, the Black Friday sales coming up, and the Cyber Mondays, and the, there's, there's a Tuesday one. Now, I don't, how did a Tuesday one creep in? <laughs> right? And then, you know, Christmas music's already going, and I love it, but at the same time, I want to guard my heart from this identity thief that if I just had more, if I had more stuff, when in the reality, the more sometimes leads us more empty. We learned about the identity thief of jealousy last week. The identity thief of envy and covetousness as Saul began to look at David with a jealous eye. Where, where, where King Saul was anointed king by God himself over his people. And then be, due to his disobedience and his fear of man, God said, I'm no longer going to make you king. I'm, I'm going to give the kingship to another person, to this young man named David. And David had this boldness, right? He stepped up against Goliath, right? He spoke back. The power of his perspective was, I'm not going to tell Goliath. I'm not going to tell God how big Goliath is. I'm going to tell Goliath how big God is. Like, watch God work. And God, and God uses David to, to slay the Goliath, right? And what happens is there's this worship team. They weren't quite as good as our worship team, but they were decent, right? And they started singing. They started singing this false identity. They began singing last week. If you remember, they said, hey, Saul kills thousands, but David kills ten thousands. And Saul overheard and said, hey, what are they singing? Why are they? It sounds like he's getting more glory than me. 
when in reality God should have got the glory over both of them. Amen? And so because David was being praised more than Saul, it said Saul looked at David from that day on with a jealous eye. And we talked about the dangers of jealousy. We talked about the trap of being envious over other people and their possessions and over their status or over what they have. And today I want us to pick it up right around that same area um, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. And two, I'm going to give you just a little bit more context, and then we'll read these first two verses. So Saul has this jealous eye on David, and not only is it a jealous eye, but it's an angry eye. It's a violent eye, to the point where Saul gathered his troops together, and he said, I want David dead. And it says that Saul picked up a spear and threw it at the wall, and it got stuck in the wall. Do you guys like the imagery, right? The Bible is so detailed sometimes, I could feel Saul's pain, right? I was like, man, he's mad. So I want him dead. So they began looking for David, and you know what David did? He ran. David fled the city. David started running away from these threats from King Saul. And some scholars believe that this is from 10 to 14 years later, this jump right here that happened in these just a couple few chapters. We'll pick it up here in chapter 21, verse 1 through 2. David is on the run now. And the text says in chapter 21, it says that then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, why are you alone and no one with you? Verse 2, and David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to read these words, Lord. I pray now that you would give us ears to hear. God, give us a heart to understand your word. Lord, convict us where we need conviction. Lord, strengthen us where we need strengthening. Lord, empower us, God, to hear your voice. That's all we ask. And help us to see the thieves that are trying to steal our identity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want us to just go ahead and zero in on this first verse, verse 1. As we look at this first verse, there are some things that I want you to notice. David is on the run. He shows up in this area called Nob. Nob is the area uh, where um, the temple was at at this time. This is where 85 priests of the Lord God lived. So they were living in Nob. They were living at this shrine, and they would do their temple sacrifices. And David decided to run there to seek some help, to seek some refuge. Okay, he's on the move. He's on the run. And Ahimelech, the priest, says, oh, hey, what's up, David? David stopped in today. And, you know, he asked some interesting question that I wanted to highlight for us today. As I just, you know, sometimes when preaching, I just try to stare at the text. I just try to stare at it. And it's a good, it's a good practice when you read the Bible. Because maybe you might just read it and you might not get anything out of it. But just stare at it long enough and you might see something in it. And I saw that Ahimelech asked him this question. He says, why are you alone and no one with you? Here, here's the thing that I want to I, I point out to you. When you're struggling when you're on the run because you're scared of something, when you're avoiding something, maybe you're avoiding God's calling on your life, maybe you're avoiding what you know God's calling you to do, so you're running from it, right? And, and we've all, maybe, maybe you've heard of Jonah's story. 
Um, I'm still getting to know Jonah's story myself, but Jonah went on the run. And you can read it in the Old Testament. It's a story. And then God got his attention. Um, and David's on the run here, and he's, he's running alone. I, I want to give you the first point of my sermon today. Um, I, the first point is don't try this alone. Don't, don't try this alone. When I say don't try this, maybe you've seen one of those commercials where they show something crazy, right? And, they, and at the end of it, they say, don't try this at home, right? Like just, you know, this is just for the commercial sake. These are stuntmen. This is not real. Um, this is real. And I've learned that the, the God of the Bible calls his people to not walk through struggle alone. When you walk through struggle alone, that, that invites and opens up the enemy to speak lies into your identity. David here is a man that has a lot of people that he knows. He's obviously uh, led lots of armies into battle. He has killed 10,000s of people, which is kind of crazy. Um, but at the same time, he has a whole cheering section cheering him on, singing songs about him, writing songs about him. He, he has a wife. He has a family. At this point in his life, he knows a lot of people, yet he's running alone. My, my, my challenge to you is this. Don't, don't run alone. On this journey that God has called you to do, do not run alone. We're all called to run the race, but it's good to run the race and know that on the left side and right side of you that there's people running with you. And when you try this alone, you, you'll end up falling alone. I have a men's discipleship group that, that, that I've been meeting with on Friday mornings, and I thought it was neat. One of my brothers said, you know what, I'm, I'm less likely to sin when I know that this is coming, this group. When I know that somebody is going to just sit in front of me and say, hey, brother, how you doing in your marriage? How you doing in your walk in purity? How you doing? Do you got any bitterness toward anybody in your heart? Whatever that may be. I'm less likely to give into it when I know it's coming. But when I walk alone, I'm more likely to say, hey, no one's going to know. I'm alone. But are you really alone? Or is the good God and Father with you, even in those times? David is here by himself. And he's alone. And Ahimelech even takes a moment to say, why is that the case? You shouldn't, you're, supposed, you're, you're the next up-and-coming king. It looks like you're out of breath. Looks like you're a little scared. Looks like you haven't had a haircut. Uh, what's the issue here, David? I want to give you one more quick verse that I think um, is important here. It's Proverbs chapter 18, 1. And this is a memory verse that I've, I've, I've committed to my heart because I needed it. Because I might be tempted at some times to just say, you know what, I don't... Hey, if you, if you want to avoid stress, don't go around people, right? Like, people may stress you out. We're all imperfect, amen? But sometimes we put perfect expectations on people. Um, but here's what he says here. He says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. This is David's son writing to us here, Solomon in the Proverbs. And he's trying to give us some wisdom at Walk Church today. He's trying to say, hey, if you isolate yourself, that's selfish, you're seeking your own desire. You're breaking out against sound judgment. God has created us to be in community. And you know who's the greatest example of that? Jesus. Right? What is Jesus? What's the first thing Jesus does when he starts his ministry? Calls his disciples, right? Brother Gary just mentioned it. He, right, he goes and starts looking for people. Right? He says, hey, Peter, I want you to follow me. Andrew, I want you to follow me. And Andrew says, can I go get my brother? And he's like, go get your brother. He can come too, right? And Jesus begins to call these 12 knuckleheads to follow him. I say that Jesus is the greatest head coach ever to coach a team. If he can use those 12 dudes to change the world, like he, he invested, he taught them, he trained them, and then he sent them out to play the game. 
He does that with us today. But he calls us to do it in community. Don't isolate yourself. So whether that's getting a part of a charge group or whether that's starting your own group, let us know. We want to help you do that. Or at least come into church on Sunday. Statistics say that a faithful churchgoer these days goes to church once a month. Come on, what are they doing on the other three weeks? Right? That's a faithful churchgoer? We need to change these things, right? Don't do life alone. It's an identity thief. The thief of being alone will creep in and say, you know what? You should just be alone. Have you ever heard that lie? No one likes you. No one wants to hang out with you. you. No one cares if you're there or not. That's a lie. It's an identity thief. And we learn that here in David's life. But now we see the second thief that creeps into David's life. We see his response here in verse 2. If you're ready, say ready. ready. <clears throat> Look at David's response here. And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said <clears throat> to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have an, made an appointment with young men for such and such a place. Do you guys know what David's doing right here? How do y'all know he's lying? He, <laughs> he is, right? The brother is straight up making something up. I mean, let's just try to find the humor in the Bible here, right? I can just, I, here's how I see David. David's like, why did he ask me that? Like, man, um, well, so the king, um, the king charged me with a matter, Ahimelech, and he said to me, uh, let, no one, let, let, let no one, we can't tell anybody what the matter is. Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and which I have charged you. So I can't tell you because the king sent me and he told me I can't tell anybody. And I made an appointment um, with young men uh, for such and such a place. <laughs> you know, like, what is such and such a place? <laughs> Even Ahimelech is like, what are you talking about, man? Why are you, why are you stuttering and stumbling right now? So the king charged you with the command that you can't tell anybody, and he told you to meet with young men for such and such a place. All right. Um, yeah, David's lying. I want to give you my second point, the, the, the identity thief here, uh, that lying, lying never prospers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right? Like, like it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not, it's not going to help you on your journey of following Jesus. I love how C.S. Lewis, the philosopher and theologian, says it. C.S. Lewis says, a little lie is like a little pregnancy. It doesn't take long before everyone knows. I hope you caught that, right? You caught that right there. Like, you know, that might be for me. Um, it, it, it won't take long before you're like, yo, you lying, aren't you? It, has anybody ever liked being lied to, right? It's not a good feeling. But I think it's an even harder feeling for God. Like, God's trying to raise up a king here. God, like, God warned the Israelites. Because the Israelites said, we have an identity problem, God. We want to be like everybody else. Because everybody else had a king, a physical king. So the Israelites said, how come we can't, why do we have to have a God as our king? Why can't we have like a physical king? And so God said, you sure you want a king? Because he's going to mess up. He's imperfect. And they said, yeah, we want, we want Saul to be our king because he's strong and he's tough. And God's like, you really don't want Saul. But I'll give him to you. So Saul becomes king and Saul completely blows it. And then God says, all right, well, we got to choose a new king. Who do you, we'll choose David because he's actually going to be man enough to go up against Goliath, but he's an imperfect king here too. Don't you see it? Right? He's on the run now too. 
Not only is he on the run, but he's by himself and he's lying to the priest. And I think that Ahimelech is beginning to, to even catch this, but even if he is not, we can see it here today. John MacArthur says it like this in his commentary. He said, David, fearing someone might tell Saul where he was, deceived Ahimelech, the priest, into thinking that he was on official business for the king. He supposed, as many do, that it is excusable to lie for the purpose of saving one's life. But what is essentially sinful can never, because of circumstances, change its immoral character. David's lying led tragically to the deaths of the priests. Uh, we won't have time to go to it, but if you want to do some extra credit, go check out 1 Samuel chapter 22, the next chapter, verse 9 through 18. Uh, we'll, we'll read here in a second that there was one of Saul's men at the, pre, uh, at the temple at this time. And so he's overhearing this conversation. And he's thinking, hold up, Saul didn't, Saul didn't send you on a mission, David. Saul wants to kill you, bro. Um, and so this man would then be released from the temple and he would go back and tell Saul. And he would tell Saul that David, I saw David at Nob. And he was talking to Ahimelech. And Ahimelech helped him out because... Uh, David said he was on duty for you. And so, so then Saul goes and finds Ahimelech after David's long gone. And Saul says, why did you help him out? And you know what Ahimelech says? You sent him. He told me that you sent him on a journey to meet at such and such with young men. <laughs> and Saul killed Ahimelech and 85 priests that day. And you could probably link that back to David's lie. It's an identity thief. It's identity thief. There's this thief that'll creep into your mind and say, why don't you just lie? No one will know. Why don't, you know what? Why don't you, just, why don't you just make something up? Make up a story really quick. I'll tell you what. I've always known God to honor integrity. Even when you've blown it, even when you've messed it up, if you can at least own it, I believe God will honor that integrity. You still face the consequences, but at least you're not a liar. And we see this here in David's life. The Bible talks about lying 331 times. That just shows me that God's passionate about it. Not only that, in Proverbs 12, verse 22, the text says that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. I'll tell you what, if I could either be on detestable or delightful, I want to be on the delightful side, amen? I want God to be able to, to say, I delight in his words, not detest, not detest his words. Let's go ahead and keep reading. We wind up in chapter 21, verse 7 through 9. Now, one of Saul's servants, who I just told you about, was there that day, detained before the Lord. It was probably the Sabbath day, so he wasn't able to take his journey on that day. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. And David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. He's still in his lie. Right? I wasn't able to grab my weapon because Saul sent me on this mission and I, was, I just had to go. But listen to what happened here. Remember, this is 10 to 14 years later. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, hmm, the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. It's wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David said there is none like it. Come on, give it to me. I love this right here. David has this moment, right, where he shows up 
And he's like, I really need a weapon. Saul's after me. Maybe he, uh, he spotted Doeg, was like, oh, man, that's Doeg. Oh, gosh, he's going to try to kill me. Um, and David's like, I need a weapon. It's urgent. And there's only one weapon there. And how about it? It's Goliath's sword. And I just wonder this, church, as I stare at these verses, I wonder if, if God is not doing this purposely. Like, just hear me here. Go deep with me. I wonder if God is not just placing the sword there just to say, remember me. Like, stop lying. Stop running. Remember what we did back then with the sword. Like, I, used, I once used you to, like, defeat Goliath. You got the sword to prove it. There's a reason why the sword was in the temple. It was there for a memorial. It was there, there there's a reason why it's there next to the ephod. If you're not familiar with the ephod, it would be cool to study the ephod. It's, a, it's, a, it's mentioned in the book of Exodus. And now this is hundreds of years before with Moses, right? And Moses is leading the people out of Israel. And then God chooses priests. And he says, I want the priests to wear this ephod. So picture it like a really cool vest, a holy vest that has special colors on it and blocks and cubes. And it's just made perfectly by these skilled craftsmen. And now they have the ephod that they wore hundreds of years before. It's in the temple. It's in the collection jar. It's right next to Goliath's sword. It's there to point to it and say, wow, that's the ephod that they wore when God rescued them. There's Goliath's sword that God used when he directed. If David could tap into this moment and say, man, God delivered me. He's going to deliver me from this situation. Then, then I think that maybe he would understand the purpose of what's going on here. I love this verse right here that I want to, I want to challenge you with in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It's a longer verse, but I want you to read it with me. Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. Let's just read this off the screen. Verse 13 with me. Ready? One, two, three. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Your temptation is not exclusive. You're like, yo, no one can relate, man. I'm going through it. Your, your, no temptation is overtaking you. That is not common to man. It, it, it's happened before. Um, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Amen? No amens for that? I, I, I'll amen that. I'll amen that, Jesus. Um, but, but with the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape. I feel like God is providing the way of escape here. I feel like God is putting this in front of David. It's a memory. It's a memorial. It's saying, David, stop running. Stop fleeing. I've rescued you before. I will rescue you again. Amen. I'll give you some more extra credit. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you get a chance, when you go home later, read Psalm chapter 34. The book of Psalms is known as David's love, not David's love, David's journal. David is journaling all while he's on the run. Psalm 34 is labeled. He, he has a title to his journal. Psalm 34 says, when, when David um, was on the run, right, when he, when, he, when he was right here, he has this moment. And what David says there, he's trying, he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to go there. He's trying to say, God, deliver me. God, rescue me. God, help me. And you would think at this point, he would understand that, you know what, God's speaking. That's my third point today that I want to I challenge you with, is that God is always speaking. 
right? God is always speaking. Don't try this alone. Lying never prospers, and, and God is always speaking. Have you ever been in a situation where you just know that God's just speaking to you? Like, he, he drops the Goliath sword in front of you, and you're like, oh, man. All right, God, I got it. I get what you're saying. I, I hear you. Or, you know, you, you, you run into this certain person, and you're like, all right, God, I, I see what you're doing, right? Or you're somewhere, it could even be a scent, and you, like, smell something, and you're like, that, that brings me back. All right, God, God's speaking. God is speaking. God is trying to get my attention. When he's speaking, my encouragement to you would be listen and obey. Listen and obey. Don't worry about what other people are thinking. Don't worry about what other people are doing. You could be right there in the temple with the priest Ahimelech and Doeg the Edomite, and you could be right there, and at that moment, you could just listen to the voice of God and say, all right, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to stop running. God rescued me before. He'll rescue me again. I'm going to trust in his plan. And I think David was close, but what we see next here is that I don't think he fully, fully chose the escape. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10 through 14. These will be the last verses we read, and we'll go ahead and finish up after this in our worship team. You guys can begin making it up pretty soon, but it says in verse 10 that David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. Um, here's what I mean by that right there, that, that what's hap what happens next is, so Ahimelech says, you got the sword of Goliath? Go ahead and take it. David runs off before he could say another word. He's out. The text says that he escaped from Saul, went to King Achish of Gath. The thing that you guys don't fully understand here, because it took me some studying, is that King Achish of Gath is the king of the Philistines. So now David, he, mind you, a decade ago he cut Goliath's head off, the, 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 the champion of the Philistines. Like, they have like David's face all over the city in X. Like, if we ever get David, we're going to catch him. Now David's in their city, on the run, by himself, with Goliath's sword. This is, someone's got to do a good movie about this. It can't be a corny movie. It's got to be like a really good one. I was, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> David escaped from Saul and went to King Asher again. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. Right? They're like, whoa, David's here. This is weird. Isn't this David, the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one that people honor with dances and singing? Saul is killed. They bring back the song again, right? Song is killed. Saul has killed ten thousands. David did ten thousands. David heard these comments and was very afraid. You guys see the identity thief? He was afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. Why is he afraid? I'm, I'm just trying to be honest, church. Like, he was just there saying, he was saying these words. Israelites, why are you afraid? We have God on our side. If David could fall into the identity traps, you can too. So can I. That's why we have these principles about don't do life alone. Right? God's speaking to you. Listen. He wants to teach us something here today. David heard these comments. He was very afraid of what the king Achish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended. Say, everybody say the P word. Pretended. To be insane. Talk about an identity theft. Scratching on doors, drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, must you bring me a, a, a madman? 
We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? I don't know, church. I just want to, I, I want to learn from David. I want to learn lessons on identity from the life of David. That, that the man after God's own heart would find himself scratching doors and spitting on his beard, which culturally would be seen as something that you would never do. It would be something disrespectful. It would be something, as a, a, in quotes, a madman, the Bible calls it, would do. And even King Achish is like, this dude really must be desperate. <laughs> Just go, man. Get out of here, dude. You, 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 totally, you totally lost it. And this is, a, this is a man after God's own heart. This was the one who slayed the Goliath. We were clapping for him last week. <laughs> right? Like, we were like, yeah, go David. Way to have faith. And now, and now he's drifted. Has anybody ever just been to the ocean, you know, and you're out there on the ocean, you're playing, and you're like, all right, you guys hang out here, I'm going to go hit the waves, and then you, like, look back, and they're over there, and now you're over here? Is that, has anybody, has anybody have talked to me, church? Yeah, you've, it's happened to you? You know, um, I think that, that, can, that, can, that can happen. That can happen with your faith. You just start drifting. When you start drifting, you start isolating. You start isolating, you start lying, right? You start, you start lying, then you stop listening. I, I've seen too many people in, in, in church get picked off by the enemy because they isolated themselves, they started making up lies, and they stopped listening to the voice of God, and now today, they look like that, right? They look like that, trying to figure it out. Where, where did it go wrong? Where, where did it happen? What happened? Like, David, how did you get here? How did you get here, man? Get back see the sword of Goliath come back come back that's my fourth point my fourth point is that fear fear is not your your true identity fear is not fear is not your true identity and we can we can get ready to close with this and this is my last verse of scripture and we're going to close with a response song in time of prayer y'all will hear me quote this verse all the time um, but God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. It's not from God. But the very opposite, he's given you a spirit of power, he's given you a spirit of love, and he's given you a spirit of self-discipline. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you've been succumbing to fear or you've been listening to the voice of the enemy, you've been listening to the lies of the enemy, you've been listening to these identity thieves that try to steal your identity, the same thing that happened to David, my encouragement to you this morning would be, listen, look, God is better. Look at the person next to you and just say, God is better. God is better. He is. He is. I needed to hear that. God is better. You don't have to listen to the lies and the thieves of the enemy when God is better. And here's the four points. Pull the four points back up on the screen and then we're going to pray. Here's how it happens. When you isolate yourself, that's when you'll start making things up. Oh, I was going to such and such a place. I was, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I'll see you next Sunday. No, you won't. No, you won't. You ain't been to church in a year. What you doing? And, and, and it's in those moments where God's speaking, isn't he? Where God's saying, come back. Come back. I got so much more plans for you. I got so much good for you. I got blessing for you. I got joy for you. 
I got passion and purpose for you. I got it for you. Just, it's, it's with me. It's not, it's not out there. It's with me. And then the fear hits. Well, but what, it, you know. So wherever you're at this morning, whatever identity thief's trying to steal your joy, speak back to that this morning. Make a choice. Decide today. Decide to get plugged into community. De de decide to come back. Decide to stop lying, if that's you. Decide to stop exaggerating or making things up. Decide to just be you, be truthful, and to listen to God's voice when he speaks. And here's what he's speaking. He's saying, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not.